Good morning, Tea Talks! Woo! Welcome to our May edition. I'm Olivia Grace Murphy. And I'm Seth Johnson. And we are here to talk about mental health and how it affects our artists in the theater community today. Before we get started, we'd like to say a special thank you to Theater Jones for providing us a platform for this podcast. Thank you so much for everything that you do. We love you! Woo! We would like to issue a disclaimer. There are some trigger warnings in this podcast for depression, anxiety, body dysmorphia, and eating disorders. And so if you are not okay with listening to any of that content, please feel free to stop this podcast and listen to any of the other content we have, or just listen to some nice songs on Spotify because we get that. Thank you. Insert jingle here. Jingle, Woo! jingle. The jingle will play. <laughs> I, I think it should just Woo. be that. <laughs> so first, let's go around the room. Um, let's introduce ourselves and say what tea you're drinking today. And pronouns. And pronouns. Um, I'm Nicole Neely. I'm drinking the Stash Moroccan Mint. The Minthe Moroccan. <laughs> Ooh. Oh, and my pronouns are she, her. As you know, I'm Seth Johnson. I'm also drinking my classic Moroccan Mint. Because uh, it's just one of those days, you know? Yeah, he, him. <laughs> Um, I'm Kelsey Buckley, uh, my pronouns are she, her, and I'm drinking the ginger peach, because I am unique. As you know, I'm Olivia, and I use she, her pronouns, and I'm also rocking the Moroccan mint. Woo! I think it would be fun if we also went around and said what medications we're on. I was really hoping <laughs> you were going to say that, actually. Perfect. Um, I'll start us off. I'm on Wellbutrin and Pristique, <laughs> just for a little flair. How many milligrams? Oh, um, I am on, uh, for my Wellbutrin, I think I'm on 300. And then for my Pristique, I believe I am on 10. Okay. Yes. I, okay. I take 150 milligrams of Wellbutrin. Woo! Give me the butch, baby, it goes down smooth. <laughs> um, and um, I also take five milligrams of Lexapro. I take 15 milligrams of Lexapro daily. Woo! I take, I just had to pull out my pill bottle because I forget. <laughs> um, I used to take some Cetraline and stuff, and now I take clo clonazepam. That's how Man. it's pronounced, and cool. I take 0.5 milligrams. Clonazepam. 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 Oh my god. That's probably how they created this. <laughs> 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 Gotta make it happy. <laughs> Um, so how did we land on these medications? What was your process like for that? Um, mine, mine's interesting. I, um, I went to the doctor, and I used to go to my family doctor that I've known forever, and she's the one that was like, how about maybe a little tiny bit of Cetraline? And then I took it, and I was like, this does nothing except make me feel bad. <laughs> um, and so I went to a new doctor in Addison who... I was there for an hour, and he told me a bunch of um, stories, parables about why anxiety is my fault. And then 
Kentucky. <laughs> oh, sir. Isn't that fun? No. He told me, there was a story. He was like, there once was a father who told his son to carry this bucket of water to the river. Why? <laughs> um, and <laughs> he would look in the, <laughs> the bucket. <laughs> Why do you need to carry a bucket of water yeah. to the river? <laughs> no, that's filled with water. Why? Carry an empty bucket. That's so much lighter. <laughs> no, I you know I don't know. Uh, but he said that the guy would look in the bucket and there would be ripples, and his face would look like a monster. And so he decided he was a monster. And then when the water was calm, because he stood still, he could see his face. And he said, and that's why <laughs> um, you're anxious, because you made yourself to be anxious. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, this has been 30 minutes of my time. <laughs> but in the last, like, two minutes, he actually had some really interesting things to say. And I was like, I really wish this would have been what you said throughout the whole time um but then he gave me a he was like well since you have panic attacks um we're just gonna give you a medicine to take when you have the panic attack so that it can bring you down we're not gonna give you a daily dose kind of thing because that doesn't work for you and I was like wow thanks (laughs) for listeners at home I was clutching my head just (laughs) gripping it (laughs) because that that made me hurt inside. <laughs> you know, I, I have had a similar experience to that. Um, when I was first, like, in, like, the area of my life when I was first getting diagnosed with um, depression, anxiety, I started getting really bad vertigo. Mm. This was my freshman year of college, and I went to the health center to be like, hey, I'm getting vertigo. Am I going to die? And the doctor basically was like, it's anxiety. I would recommend going to church. Oh, <laughs> no! Oh, what? A medical doctor prescribed church. <laughs> How many milligrams? <laughs> <laughs> so many milligrams. Um, yeah, but um, so that obviously didn't <laughs> work out for me. <laughs> so um, I, um, I was... Um, at the, at the end of my first semester of my freshman year of college, um, my parents had dealt with this before with my brother and my sister, so um, they were pretty prepared to like be like, okay, we're gonna take you to the therapist, we're gonna get you on some medication, we're gonna get you all well for the next semester. Which was, it was really fortunate that I was able to, you know, somehow like sustain myself until the end of the semester, but I, um, at that point, ended up getting put on 10 milligrams of Lexapro um, and, you know, it worked, um, and I stayed on that prescription, sometimes going up to 15, sometimes going down to five, just kind of based on, like, how things were going in my life for four years, um, and then I started getting really tired all the time, like, fully exhausted, like, I would come home from work and fall asleep and then wake up at 9 p.m. and, like, eat a piece of toast and then go back to sleep. Um, and so I was like, mm, this is probably not right. So I went to um, my doctor here in town, and she asked, you know, how long I had been taking the Lexapro, and I said four years. And she said, Lexapro normally actually stops working for people after two and a half. Whoa, um, good to know. Yeah. So 
keep that in mind. So um, it's two years of having yeah, to just deal. Yeah. Um, so I was like, oh, wow. Okay. Well, thank you for telling me that. Um, and we got me on the Wellbutrin, and um, it took a while to settle into my system, but I've been a lot better since then. And also, at that point, we um, put the dose of Lexapro a little bit down. Yeah, I also was fortunate that my family has depression also. That sounds horrible, yeah. but like, thanks mom for your depression. But um, no, it was actually really great because um, since they uh, were able to go through it themselves, they kind of knew what worked for them and being a product of my mother, um, we have similar genetic makeups because that's how, you know, science works. Um, so when I was actually ready to go to the doctor and be like, hey, I need to get some medication because this is, there's something not working right. Um, I let the doctor know like what my brother took and it's taking kind of thing. And um, she put me on the same thing, which was Wellbutrin. And then um, I started on the lowest dose, kept that going for uh, a couple months, decided that, you know what, I could, I could be a little bit better. So we bumped up the dose a little bit to 150. Uh, and I stayed on that for uh, like a year and a half. And um, fun thing about medications uh, is usually at the year mark, you plateau and you don't, I didn't know that. And so I was like, why am I feeling really shitty all of a sudden? Um, but I went to my doctor and she's wonderful. Her name is uh, Dr. Camille Bradley. She is in Dallas. If you ever need to see anyone, she's a general practitioner, but she has a lot of experience in this. I highly recommend her. Um, she was like, oh, well, this is what's happening. Like, you're fine. Let's go ahead and up your dosage to 300. Uh, which is just the next step up, but it sounds crazy because it's like double what I'm taking. Um, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. Thankfully, I didn't have any like side effects when I first started. And so I was like, okay, this is going to be a breeze. Um, no. <laughs> so uh, for you people who don't know, the first two weeks that you're taking a medication can have some wild and crazy side effects, which we'll talk about later. Um, but uh, it was just like the shittiest two weeks of my life. And um, I was like, okay, I, I actually don't even know if this is working. And um, like, I let the time go by because I was like, I know if I just let this happen, it'll be fine. Everything will be okay. Um, but like a couple months later, I was like, like suicidal thoughts and like other things. That I'm like, these were not here. And like, I'm not suicidal. Good to know. Let's add this like little dose of prestique. Give fires on a different part of your brain. And um, lo and behold, that like balanced me back out. And I'm like good doses for now um go from there it's always a fun uh give and take. i um i was in denial for the longest time because i basically had like a full-on mental breakdown at one point it was totally at my breaking point I started seeing a therapist who agreed to going on medication because i was like well, it just puts the chemicals in my brain that i'm supposed to have i think like a little recipe and I don't have all the ingredients and so then Lexapro is just like oh here's some chocolate chips for your cookies and I'm like great man thanks Lexapro <laughs> um, but I was actually at my OBGYN um, and we were I was just doing like my general exam and she's like you're not doing great you want to talk about some stuff and I was like I'm so tired and I'm so stressed and I'm so depressed and, uh, I have the best OBGYN um, and so she prescribed it to me and it's been really great since then. I mean, medication's not for everyone, of course. And listeners at home don't think that we're trying to force that upon you. But it, if you've even considered it, it has made a wild difference in my life. Just my my well-being has gone from zero to 60. And it was pretty much overnight. That's my story. Yeah. Yeah. 
I agree with that. I like the um, the imagery of the ingredients. Yeah. I think that's really true. Yeah. I would love to have, like, a shirt that has just, <laughs> like, a little, like, cartoon Liv holding out her hands while, like, Lexapro's dropping chocolate chips into her palms. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Listeners out there, make it happen. It. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My hair's pink right now, so make sure that you incorporate that into your cartoon. Ooh, it is. Um, <laughs> this is not a knock on your hair being pink, but when I was first figuring out my depression. (laughs) (laughs) Yep, we're going there. I did the thing that all good gay boys do. (laughs) I dyed my hair a bunch of different colors. (laughs) And so, like, I went from, like, green and blue, where it was, like, peacock colors, to, like, um, red and pinks and blondes and just a whole whole slew of beautiful colors to fill in the grayness in my life. (laughs) (laughs) I, I deal with my depression with, like, laughter and joking about it because I feel like in my mind there's me and then there's, like, me with my depression. And I um, <laughs> like to squander me with my depression because that makes me feel good. Um, and also because I know he's ridiculous. I'm like, that's not who I actually am. Like, mm-hmm. I can now feel confident enough being like, no, no, no. You sit down because I'm standing up now. Um, which was not the case before. And so, like, I feel like humor, at least for me, is the way that I cope with it. So, if listeners, you see, if you hear me um, joking around with some of my depression stuff, I do take it very seriously. But also, like, for me, that's what gets me through the day. It's interesting. There's a podcast called The Hilarious World of Depression. <laughs> and um, the first question they always ask is, is depression funny? And mm-hmm. the person has, like, their take on it. But one of them talked about the vertigo. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when you said that, that reminded me um, of an episode there. Yeah. I think depression is funny because I say some really funny things when I'm depressed. Like, so I also have suffered from um, eating re- irregularities and eating disorders for like 14 years on and off. Because um, it's something that you never truly get over. You just kind of live with it. And it's a part of you. But sometimes I definitely take that out on myself. And like when I'm just like exhausted, depressed, I'm just like, I don't deserve to eat. I don't, I don't deserve to feel good. I, and it's so funny, like looking at it now, but I'm so serious about it in the moment. Like those feelings are real. Mm. Yeah. It's an interesting place to be when you also can acknowledge that. It's, mm-hmm. I don't want to say ridiculous things because, you know, there are thoughts and... Oh no! It's ridiculous. It's disordered Uh, thinking. It is. Yes. It's it's not because it's it's normal, but it's not normal. Right. Right. But it's interesting when you're in the moment and you can see it happening and you know it's not real, but it's still real. Mm -hmm. That was that was what was so hard for me um, more recently when I was having to start on Wellbutrin was that I you know when I was you know first getting started taking medication it was like I was like what is wrong with me what's happening to me. But then um, before I started the Wellbutrin, it was like, I know exactly what's happening to me. Why can I not get through this if I know exactly what's happening? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And something that um, I actually have had a pretty good time with is I have found since, um, like, you know, joking about depression and mental illness and all kinds of capacities, I have started to find checkoff plays really really funny yeah. um like that last scene in uncle vanya where she's like it's okay we're gonna be sad for the rest of our lives and then one day we'll die we get to <laughs> die uncle Vanya. it's so funny that is hilarious 
Um, <laughs> I find that so relatable, you know? Like, that's, like, mm-hmm. all the jokes that, you know, at least all of my friends like to make, you know, on, on Twitter and just, like, in life. You just are always talking about just, like, oh, I, I want to die. Ha, 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 ha. Sweet release. Um, Chekhov is so interesting. Yeah. Way. So it's like, it, it's always funny to me when people are like, oh no, the characters are so whiny and irritating. And I'm like, no, the characters are you. <laughs> yeah. um, Isn't it funny that millennial culture is basically just like checkoff plays? Yes. <laughs> like yes. we're, we're just stealing his, his work and we don't even know it. Yeah. Twitter, you're not original. <laughs> <laughs> And I love the new adaptions of Chekhov plays, the, mm-hmm. like, stupid fucking Yeah, yeah. Yes! Um, those are really interesting, and I love them. They're mm-hmm. so heightened, but they're, it's like a big old depression brain. Yeah, yeah. no, it's, it's mm-hmm. absolutely wonderful. So while we're on the topic of plays, Nicole, you are a playwright, and a damn good one at that. Yeah. Uh, most of your plays revolve around mental illness. Why do you use theater as a platform for that and what made you decide to include mental illness as a major theme in your work um uh, I've always been told to write what you know (laughs) and so the thing that I know is um how hard it is to talk about and how uh, painful it can be but also you know how funny it can be too um a lot of my plays have come out of a place of depression and anxiety um when I first started writing plays, I needed to write something funny because of that stuff. I was in a bad relationship, and of course that can lead to your anxiety and your depression. And so, um, I wrote a play called I'm Drunk and You Are a Sandwich, um, <laughs> which was just a ridiculous little five-minute play. Um, and then, of course, Sauced, which is about a girl who's contemplating suicide, and a pizza box comes to save her. Um, it's and. amazing. <laughs> I've been saved by a couple pizza boxes in my life. But this one talks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And at one point, it's Dumbledore. <laughs> okay, universe, I want to speak that into my existence. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, the the powers that be send a pizza box to come rescue her and talk to her, talk her down. Um, and um, one of my plays, Marilyn Pursued by a Bear... Which, which is playing at the Fit Festival this year, and yeah. everyone should Woo! come see it. I'm really excited. Um, but that came from um, it's in a it's a, a companion piece to a, uh, the Winter's Tale, the Shakespeare Winter's Tale, um, <laughs> not the big romantic one that came out so a little while ago. Oh, yeah, that was called a Winter's Tale, wasn't it? Yeah, it was so strange. Um, but I had found that. The Winter's Tale, of course, dealt with the king spiraling into thoughts that were not real and um, his wife having to fight those battles. And I had, for some reason at the same time, became very interested in Marilyn Monroe and her psychological issues that doctors just didn't have the resources to fix yet. Um, so, yeah, that was that came from that. And... Um, my recent play, Three Seconds, also deals with a bit of mental illness, as well as grieving and how that can play a part into that as well. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, I think I just wanted to, I think the way that I'm figuring out my own mental health and my own coping mechanisms um, has been through writing. 
Um, I would love to be able to write about something else. That would be fun. <laughs> um, so we'll get there. But for now, I think it's, um, it's, it's doing well. And it's important, too. Yeah. Um, because I feel like when you see something like that and it's relatable, you're like, oh, okay. Because I remember, because um, I actually have struggled with anxiety for pretty much my entire life. Like I was, um, when I was around like two years old, my mom started taking me to uh, the children's hospital because she thought that something was wrong with my stomach because I would just cry and cry about my stomach. That's the same thing. I did the and same it was, thing. And it was just that I was very anxious as mm-hmm. a child. And it's like, what does a two-year-old have to be anxious about? Right. But, you know, I was. Um... And so as a kid, anytime I would have these feelings, I, the only thing that I wanted to know was I would just go to my mom, I would go to my sister and I'd say, this is how I feel. Is that normal? Do, do other people feel this way? Um, have, have you felt like that before? Do you, do you feel this? Um, because I felt so, I, I felt like I was going crazy. Um, and, you know, like smaller versions of like that same kind of feeling have been happening for pretty much my entire life. Um, and so anytime I see... A play or you know read a book any kind of consume any kind of art that um I see myself in I feel so it, it just kind of takes a, a certain weight off of um all of the stuff that you're having to carry around with you every day when you have anxiety I would definitely agree with that I think a lot of the shows that I choose to direct have like some sort of through line with either depression or um some sort of aspect of whatever I'm dealing with in my personal life at the time. And just because um, I feel like when you're doing art that has that connection to you, it's just like that extra layer and extra oomph to make sure that it's done right. Um, And I think that's just something that as artists we're just drawn to. And it's it's kind of beautiful creating something out of your depression. It's like, okay, well, this is something that's horrible and shitty and just like, like you often question, why is this happening to me? But also like this thing is coming out of it. And so, like, sometimes I'll ask myself, okay, well, like, do I, would I wish this away? And some days I'm like, yes, like, I would, I wish I did not have this. But other times I'm like, no, I kind of like my depression in a weird way. I hate it with every fiber of my being. But, like, there's something about it that helps me create stuff. And that's, like, me fighting against it in some way. I don't know. It's hard to explain. It's very much on the outside looking in, you you don't understand it, that whatever that phrase is, I don't remember it. I used to think that my depression gave me so much more of a zest for life. Mm-hmm. Like, when I am at my <laughs> highs, I can really take a step back and appreciate it. But now I'm starting to get to the point where I'm like, I'd probably appreciate it anyway. I just wish this was gone. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I mean, that, that is such, like, a thing that people talk about is like, oh, like, when you're depressed, that makes you a better artist. Mm-hmm. You know, like all of, that. All, all of the best, all of the best comedians are severely depressed and they have a lot going on in their lives, you know? Um, I hate and, that stigma that you have to suffer for your art. Mm-hmm. You know? And, and I, I truly believed that um, when I was, you know, 18 years old, I was like, okay, well, at least I know that I can be an artist. You know, it's like, what are you talking about? Like, I, I'm so much more capable and so much more interesting um, in my capacity to create um, when I am well. Mm-hmm. Um, exactly. <coughs> yes. Like, I can't write when I'm medicated. No. Um, oh, wow. Yeah. Really? Because it, um, I, and that's, I think, it's interesting because I think we try to, at least I do, I try to qualify my mental illness as being mm-hmm. an artist sometimes. But um, 
whenever I'm having a panic attack or like this last week has been a panic attack week. And so when I'm in panic attack week, I can't, I can't write anything. Um, and I think realizing that has led me to try to find better mm-hmm. coping and try to find better doctors. And yeah. Mm-hmm. Because that's, I think to create, you must have an element of wellness as well. Yeah, yeah absolutely. <laughs> Definitely. Yeah, lows are not a great point no. to create anything no. in. Yeah. Yeah. Um, speaking of lows, do you notice any, like, triggers? Because I know, like, for me, sometimes when I'm either not doing enough work or doing too much work, sometimes it, like, triggers a weird, like, low spell where I just, like, shut down and I can't process anything or think creatively at all and I just become like this like weird robot for a little bit um do y'all notice any of those like kind of triggers in your lives or anything that I'd love to piggyback off that um I've kind of gone through this weird thing lately where I feel like if I'm not pushing myself to the extreme limit of creating and working all the time and not sleeping and that I'm not achieving anything. And if I'm not achieving anything, people aren't going to like me or I'm not going to be deemed as successful or I'm not going to be doing anything important with my life. But my depression is definitely triggered when I'm exhausted and I have just exhausted myself lately. I mean, I don't think I've really taken a break from theater for like two years almost. And it's taking a toll on my mental illness for sure. I mean, the other day I was in, I just got out of tech week for Bright Star, which just opened, had a fantastic opening. Um, go see if you get a chance. Uh, but tech week was just crazy because my job is in Grapevine. I live in far north Dallas. I start work at eight and then I would go immediately to the theater, be there at 11. So I was getting like four hours of sleep every night. And one morning, I think it was like Thursday morning, I just woke up and I started crying and I was like, I'm just so and it was because I was pushing myself to that point and it kind of gets to the point where it's like at what cost and I see myself comparing myself to other people and I'm like well she can do this this and this but also I mean she does this more than I do and then this and she like looks better than I do and and I get stuck in these comparisons of people being like if I'm not that person people are gonna think I'm shit and it's really an unhealthy way of thinking and I'm trying to wrap my brain around getting well with that right now but definitely when I'm exhausted I am a much worse artist exhaustion is a big thing for me too um, in terms of depression but I would say that the biggest like you know trigger warning sign for me is um with my anxiety when I am in like a period of transition like when when it's like I am about to move or I'm about to start something new um any sort of thing like that like um that I, I suddenly just everything just terrifies me um you know when I was a kid it was always you know like I, I'm gonna die the world's gonna end stuff like that but um as I've gotten older it's been a lot of intrusive thoughts which I don't know if y'all ever have those but it's basically just like <laughs> you're, you're just hanging out having a good time <laughs> and then suddenly your brain just like says something to you that you did not create yep yeah. um but it's 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 interesting, and a lot of the time it's um, it's violent thoughts. Mm-hmm. Um, I, yeah, it's it's like violence. It's like you know, like this person is gonna kill me, or I'm gonna kill them, and it's like no, that's not gonna happen. Um, but it, it does become really really difficult to walk through the world 
when you have like this mental image of like yourself just like stabbing people, which I am really, this is a really hard thing to talk about because I, to a lot of people, I think that sounds like, you know, like, like an actual like violent tendency. Mm -hmm. And I think that that might, um, you know, with the discussion about um, like gun violence and mental health and all that kind of stuff, it is not, it's what makes me anxious because it's like the most terrifying thing to me, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, and it is a normal thing. Like it, it, there are, you know, books and articles and studies and, you know, you can talk to your doctor about it and it's, you know, but I just, it, it's always just um, when I, you know, I am moving to a new place or when, you know, I am going to start a new school or when I graduated school, it was just like, mm-hmm. just like, all of these thoughts just like suddenly just like attack my brain um i get those but it's towards myself mm-hmm. like it's like i'll be in like a time of stress and my brain's like you should just break all the bones in your body or like like, or like you're, you're driving yeah. and then it's like what if i just like drove the car exactly yeah. oh i have that all the time yeah um yeah. and i don't want that when i take a step back i mean i very much don't want no it's that. like you can acknowledge like mm-hmm. i am not a suicidal person i'm just having this thought yes yeah um, and, you know, sometimes it's not even, like, actual violent thoughts. Like, sometimes th- the ones that I'll have will be something like, um, uh, I'll, I'll have, like, a, a, you know, like, thing of iced tea, like a little jug, and I'll be like, what if I just, like, poured this over my head? <laughs> you know? I love that. Like, sometimes it's yeah. just, like, really ridiculous, like, no, yeah. you can't do that. Or, like, you're, like, in, like, a quiet, like, waiting room, and you're like, what if I just, like, stood up on this coffee table and just, like, took off my pants? <laughs> you know, it's like, no, you don't, you can't do that. You don't do that. That's not what you want to do. But it's just like these thoughts just kind of like plague your mind. Mm-hmm. It's just a really, it, it's it's quite funny, but it's also horrifying and awful to deal with. That's, depression. That's stuff. how my anxiety and depression kind of started in college mm-hmm. is I would think a professor would be carrying like a stack of papers and mm-hmm. I would think, what if I just hit them. <laughs> yeah, yes. And, um, and I did. <laughs> you did. I, I was like, well, maybe this is just my brain telling me it would be a good idea. <laughs> so, my One of my mentors was carrying our papers, and I went, Wah! and I just, like, hit them all on the floor, and immediately I was like, oh, I've done something terribly this wrong. Was, this was not a good <laughs> this decision. This was a poor choice. <laughs> oh, no. And, um, but that's interesting that I, I think, I wonder if everyone has those thoughts See, that, that's, that's something that is so interesting to me because it's like it's normal but mm-hmm. not everybody does yeah. have these thoughts like I you know I when you hear people talk about just like you know I, I've been in classes before where you know everybody has been bonding like oh yes and then my anxiety manifests and then one person will speak up and be like this is so interesting to hear because I don't struggle with any of that and it's like <laughs> wait a second you, you, what? But how? Yeah. How, how do you just, yeah. like, walk through the world without... I wish. That is fascinating. I think I'm just, like, learning something about myself. Because, like, <laughs> I, I think I also have those thoughts. Yeah. And recently, what I've been doing um, is just, like... So, in Rajiv Joseph's play, Mr. Wolf, he talks about, um, like, the possibility of, like, alternate universes. If, like, the universe is in fact infinite then that means there's like infinite scenarios of Mm -hmm. exactly what's happening right now um but slightly different and in my brain that's just like okay well whenever i have like those random thoughts like 
oh, I could just, like, slip down these stairs. Or, like, something like that. It does divide into two. Where yeah. yeah. One version of yourself did slip down the stairs. And I comment on that. I'm like, wow, somebody somewhere in an alternate universe, Seth just died. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, you know, I didn't. <laughs> so, yeah. like... It's like, well, at least I'm okay. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. But also, I comforted by that in a weird yeah, way yeah yeah i'm like well i know at least somewhere seth is like dancing on the table in a tutu like somebody's yeah. having that satisfaction yeah i'm not <laughs> yes so um how do how does your mental illness affect creating in the theater world um and especially because rehearsal schedules are rigorous, there's a lot expected of you. Last year I went through a really, really strange period where I couldn't memorize anything. Mm. Um, and that was a point when I realized I needed to go get another doctor's help. But um, that was really, really terrible. Um, there was a production, I don't even want to talk about it. Uh, but I had one of those awful moments that you can only think about in your terrible nightmares on stage in the middle of a Sondheim patter song where my mind just stopped. And that process had been pretty grueling and I, um, my mental health was quite affected and my weight was affected and I, weight is one of my triggers. Um, Me too. And so my mind just stopped in the middle of the patter song and the music just kept going, and it was a night when, like, all of my theater friends had come to see the show, and people I admired, and people that I, you, of course, like, just want to impress, and so I had to go back and try to just make it a bit. (laughs) I remembered hearing about um, a character that had originated that character having a same issue, and she managed to make it like this huge bit and so I tried and failed because I was mortified mm-hmm. and had to go back and be like all right let's take it from where should we take it from because I can't remember any of the lyrics and um our accompanist <clears throat> was very gracious and very wonderful and um she took it back to a place and I was able to finish the song which you know I feel like I should be proud of <laughs> but I that, that was a moment that I realized that something was wrong last year. Um, I'm proud of you. <laughs> I would have just been like, oh God, no, I, I would have been like, bye everybody, I'm going home. I hit the bar. Yeah, no, I, that, that's, that's actually pretty incredible that you were able to go back and do that. <laughs> oh man, that was awful. Um, but it ha- that, that was the instigator, or the defining moment of my auditions going more and more poorly last year, and... I just, I couldn't memorize sides. I was so, I, I started canceling auditions. I was start, I started to be that guy mm-hmm. that yeah. would be like, if I go into that audition, I will fall apart. Hey, I can't come because I have the flu. <clears throat> like, I was one of those people. And um, then, of course, went to the doctor, heard a parable, got some medicine. <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm doing better now. But I also take CBD oil. Mm. And I do that, I take that before auditions now and before shows, and it helps me focus and it helps me not have like line flubs anymore. Mm. That's interesting. Nice. Um, I can't say that I've ever had something like that. Um, rehearsal processes can get really 
uh, tricky for me um, when I'm going through, you know, certain periods of whatever. Um, but yeah, I think my big thing is that it just makes me so tired. Mm. Um, and I feel like when I am a person, like, like I, I just, um, words, uh, when I am tired, I'm the kind of person who I just like basically can't do anything. Like I am not a functional human being. Um, and so I feel like one of my favorite things like in a rehearsal process is when, you know, everybody's just kind of like bouncing around and, you know, everybody's kind of throwing stuff in the pot and you stirring it up, but I'm not capable of that, um, when I'm struggling. But I will also say that, um, I do feel, um, as somebody with, you know, anxiety and depression that, um, I think there is a certain level where uh, of that illness where you're kind of more in tune with like the world mm -hmm. and like the like sadnesses that like people experience and like the pain. Mm -hmm. um, and I feel that in a lot of ways that makes me a more capable performer um, when I'm doing well. Um, just because because um, I, I once um, I, I once had um, a therapist tell me to read this book. It's called The Highly Sensitive Person. I forget who wrote it. But um, it's basically just about people who have certain types of anxiety. Um, things are just like, you're just hypersensitive to the world. Like, loud noises are more irritating. Um, you know, anytime something bad happens, it's the worst thing that's happened, stuff like that. Um, and I think that experiencing that on a day-to-day -day basis um, makes it easier for you to know what it's going to be like and then kind of reel it back in um, for like an appropriate level um, to show people um, like on stage or you know in a play or whatever mm -hmm. um, which I think is interesting mm -hmm. um, I know when I stage manage um, which can get stressful at times because it's just the name of the game um, there will be points like towards tech where it's already been like kind of layered stress that just kind of adds on to each other. Um, and especially if it's not like the most functioning like design team where everything's like on schedule and things like that. Um, I feel like every time somebody gives like me a note on something that I'm doing, um, like in my head, I beat myself up on it. And I know it's like, we're, we're like in tech or about to be in tech like this isn't something that needs to be perfect right now and like that's why we have tech is for like the stage manager and everyone else to get to the point where you are performance ready and like I know that and like but when you're in the midst of it with like a headset on and people talking over you in the headset and then people around you talking um, and then your own voice saying hey you fucked that up like you're not good enough like blah 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 like it the little tiniest thing can just just slump me out and it's kind of it's it sucks because like I like know I'm a good stage manager when I'm doing stuff, but I'm like a little slip up here, and then that whole night is just ruined. Even though like everything else was like called well, or or like the show itself isn't a good point, and like I know like this is like fine. It's just those little things, and oftentimes it's, it's triggered with like people in authority saying something, mm -hmm. which like that's their job, and like I get that, and like that's like fine. But like if I just hear like the slightest bit of like. I don't know, aggression, I guess, towards it, or just, like, 
they snap because they're also stressed because everyone's in a stressful environment. Like, it's just like, that's it. I just I hate this. I want to give this up forever. Like, why am I doing this? Like, I don't deserve blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, no, that's not the case. Like, go to sleep and you'll feel better <laughs> yes. in the morning. Yeah, yeah that, that's we'll something sleep. that I think that a lot of people can relate to is the kind of catastrophizing. Yes. Where it's like... Um, you like the person in charge kind of reprimands you mm-hmm. and you're like, they hate me and they're never going to want to work with me again. And everybody hates me and I am bad at my job and I just should quit. I, mm-hmm. what if I just quit? I should just quit. Yep. I just won't do anything and I'll just lay down in my bed. Mm-hmm. Um, you sound like my subconscious. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, that's, that's a really relatable feeling. Yeah. I turn homeless and have to go back home to Brownsville. Yeah. Which, like, mm-hmm. I love Brownsville, but whenever I think about having to go back home because, like, I failed, mm-hmm. like, there's no art for me to do there like there is here. Yeah. Um, and that just is, like, whenever I'm in that point, it's, it's yeah, you know, you're going to have to go home, like, move in with your parents and have to do just, like, this community subpar theater community in Brownsville. theater. Yeah. Yeah. That, yeah. yeah. Which, Brownsville, I love you. You're my roots, whatever. I'm not knocking you. It's in my head. Brownsville is a different Brownsville. Yeah. Bombay, Florida. I don't love you. You have no art going on there. I'm happy that I moved. Yeah. <laughs> and then stage management. I was a stage manager at Casa for about a year, mm-hmm. and I. It's interesting how people have an idea with stage managers that you are always cool and collected, and that yeah. you are always like in charge of your feelings. Mm-hmm. And I think that that's. That is such a hard position to be in, especially when you struggle with anxiety and depression. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you do it so well, Seth. And so that's, I, I can only imagine that that is like super, super difficult. Just a lot of screaming internally. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> if I could cry, I would cry. <laughs> <laughs> Just like you're calling, you're like, lights for you. <laughs> Don't let them see your tears. Go. <laughs> yeah. Well, I had this weird thing that for a while, like, I could not produce tears. <laughs> like, that's like, happened to me. I was like, I know I'm crying yeah, right now. That's happened to <laughs> me before. Yeah. Like, it's just like dry sobbing. Like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're like, I'm dying on the inside. Oh, that's so funny. Yeah. Oh, speaking of, anyone have any funny um, symptoms or any funny things like that where it's just like, why is my body doing this? <laughs> yes. Whenever I get really anxious. You guys will notice this because I do it a lot. I put my hands right here. I'm like, yeah. I put them uh, like prayer crossed and like right (laughs) under my chin and I like suck my arms into my body. I'm like, if I'm touching every part of myself, then everything's going to be okay. (laughs) I feel that. I always have to have my hands touching something. Um, I, and maybe it's not so funny, but I think it's a little bit funny. I have had trichotillomania, and so my eyebrows are in shambles. Um, (laughs) But I, and I have always, always done it, but I never realized it was due to my anxiety Mm -hmm. until um, my fiance Clint called me out on it one day. (laughs) And he was like, he had, I've told him before, like, I also pick at my chin. Mm -hmm. And so I always touch my chin, I pick at it, like, you know the little chin hairs that you have? Mm -hmm. Um, I like actively pull them out mm. and that's not like good for you <laughs> please don't adopt that as a coping mechanism um but Clint has had to like put my hand down and I've had to be like oh I was doing that mm-hmm. um when I'm anxious I get very very itchy um specifically like under my arms <gasps> but then I but then I, I, I don't want to touch my armpits because I'm like that's gross so I just kind of like 
kind of rub, rub my arms like back and forth so that I can scratch the itch without having to like use my hands to scratch, which is just like really kind of weird and embarrassing just to do in public. You're just kind of like, <laughs> run um, <the> police. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're just kind of like running. Um, so that's not. <laughs> Could be used as a dance move. Also. Yeah, maybe, maybe maybe people are like, "What are you doing?" Well, I'm just I'm just rocking out. Here. Like, I don't know. Um, so that that's something. Um, but it, it's also funny. I've had um, like medication side effects that also make me itchy. Like I just mm. I don't know what the itching is. Um, I've I've had my face just be totally flushed. Mm-hmm. Um, sometimes my feet will go numb. Um, what else for medication? I, I can't eat. I can I can never eat when I am first starting a new medication. That's a Wellbutrin thing too. Yeah. Like, well, because some people use Wellbutrin for weight loss. Exactly. Yeah. Which I was loving the first couple times I did mm-hmm. it, and then I was like, <laughs> I'm just not eating. Like this is bad. Yeah. And, and no. you get mad at me. <laughs> it's like it's like at, at first you're like, wow, I'm losing weight, and then mm-hmm. you're thinking, and you're like, oh no, I'm just not eating. Yeah. I'm just not. And, and the devil's and, and, a know, liar. And, because you get hungry again later mm -hmm, right and it's like you know like you're not hungry and that's why you're Mm -hmm. not eating but then it's like when you do put food into your body you're not like rejecting it you know that that's the weird thing about wellbutrin is that it's like you won't feel as hungry Mm -hmm. but then you still like like i feel like when i'm not hungry it's like i don't want to eat but when i'm wellbutrin not hungry i could still just like eat it's bizarre do you guys also have vitamin D deficiency? Yes! <laughs> <laughs> Theater people, why oh, do we live in basements? My goodness. Yeah, like oh I gosh. have had blood work done and I am I have to take vitamin D. Gummies! <laughs> <laughs> Only gummies. I, I, I actually was prescribed an extra strong vitamin D that I take once a week. It's like 50,000 Whoa! I just, I, I just, don't know. <laughs> That's, that's, that's what it says on, on the label. It says vitamin D3, 50,000 units. I don't know what <laughs> units are, but that's a lot of vitamin D. It's like you literally just like go outside and the sun's like, <laughs> great, I got it for the week. It's like, okay, we're good, we're good. Um, did y'all ever, so I started off with like seasonal depression or I thought I did. And so I bought one of those like those lamps. lamps. Yes. I felt like a lizard. And it's, 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 it's like, it's like that episode. Have, have y'all seen that episode of Broad City? Yes. About the seasonal depression, yes. and, she, and she has the lamp, so she just keeps making like shiny things out of um like like, like tin foil. foil and reflective stuff, so that she can just just like ah, <laughs> just like soaking in the rays of the depression lamp. So relatable. Oh, My mom still is like, "Are you using your lamp?" And I'm like, "No." <laughs> Who has time to sit in front of a lamp for 30 minutes? Yeah. yeah. I don't. Which is sad because, like, I feel better when I use it. But also, I'm like, where's my terrarium? Like, I'm just going to live my life as a lizard now. Yeah. Hashtag that's the tea. Yeah. <laughs> oh. I am. Um, I'm really good at hiding my anxiety, especially yesterday. Um, so, as I said, I have uh, body dysmorphia really bad and um i've suffered with eating disorders so uh my weight has ballooned just due to i have a tumor in my uterus so my um uh hormones have just been like on the fritz for like six seven months and then just like stress and not sleeping enough i mean i've gained i think 40 pounds in four years so like none of my clothes fit right now 
And so I went to Buffalo Exchange because I was like, I'm going to get a new outfit for opening night and it's going to look great. I tried on like 30 dresses and it was just really sad that like none of them fit or fit properly. And I found one that looks great and I wore it. But then I like went home and I curled my hair and I did my makeup and I shaved my legs and I like I was so concentrated on looking good that I had a panic attack about it for like four hours, like mm-hmm. during the whole show. But my boyfriend Trey was like, you don't seem anxious. And I was like, I'm just really great at hiding it. Yeah. Uh, for like hours. Mm-hmm. No one knew except for him because he, you know, he's my teammate. And so he knows everything about me. Um, but yeah, I was hiding it from pretty much everyone. Mm-hmm. And I got to the theater and they were doing champagne and I was like, please give me three glasses of champagne right now. I don't want to feel anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Ooh, also bad coping mechanism. Don't do that. Yeah. Don't, at home. yeah. I, I don't, went, I don't condone that. When I, like right before I started taking medication, like the low, low, um, I couldn't feel anything. Like I had no emotions. Um, like many can attest to this. Like I couldn't understand other people's emotions and I had none myself and you like, taste food that's something that is I think I could but I wasn't like I wasn't eating very well either mm-hmm. um but like it got to the point where like I started like arguing with Mandy over something which like I don't do like I'm not a, I don't really do that at all mm-hmm. um but like it was something where like I knew in the back of my head I was like why are you saying these things and like I couldn't perceive like that I was, like, hurting people, but, like, I knew I was doing... It was weird. Mm-hmm. It was, like, it was the one of the weirdest things. Like, it was just, like, nothing registered. And I was, like, I know this is happening, but I don't know this is happening. <laughs> like, yeah. Crazy. So something that um, I think about a lot is, um, you know, I was struggling really badly that first semester of college, and then I managed to hold off, you know, hitting bottom until um, winter break. At which point, it was like I was spending all day on the couch. My mom would, like, bring me food. Um, and it was it was really hard. Um, but I think a lot about that time as, like, that was a really big privilege that I was able to hit bottom like mm-hmm. that. Um, because a lot of people, um, you know, you, you can't just stop. You know, it's like you have to go to work, you have to go to school, you have kids to take care of. Um, And, you know, I had a family who was supportive and I was privileged enough that um, I didn't have anything to do for a month. And so I was able to just Mm -hmm. stay in the house and just kind of like let the, you know, medications start working. Um, But... It's like, it's it's kind of a really big privilege when you're able to actually let yourself mm-hmm. do that. Because mm-hmm. yeah. um, some people just don't have that luxury, you know? It's like you are severely depressed, you're going through your life, and you have to just keep moving. Yeah. Um, I wouldn't have gotten help. My mom literally, she knew. She just knew something was wrong. She got on a plane from Brownsville, flew up to Dallas, was like, we're going to go to the doctor tomorrow. Like, that's it. Like, we just, we just need to do this. Like, yeah. you've been putting it off. Cause like I was at the point where I was like, I'm just too busy to like focus on myself. And like, I kept putting it off cause I was afraid of like what that was going to ha- what was going to happen to me if mm-hmm. I was like taking medication, like altering like my brain chemistry. Um, and she's like, no, like this is something we all went through, but like 
you need help getting there. And so she, she stopped whatever she was doing. She stayed with me for like two weeks and like made sure that like all of the medication was working well and that I had questions for like the doctor and stuff like that. And um, it, it saved my life. Like it really did because Mom's like, like I, yeah, she knew she was like, if I don't do this, like mm-hmm. I probably won't have a son anymore. Like kind of thing. Like, yeah. Yeah. So and definitely a privilege. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's huge. Mm-hmm. Good for that mom. Um, I am um, jumping back on what Olivia was talking about. I also struggle with some body dysmorphia and one of my biggest panic attacks, <laughs> a lot of my weight sits right in that spot where, you know, you look pregnant. And so I remember feeling really good about myself for a little while and just being like, you know what, this is the new me. I'm just, I'm just who I am now and I have, I'm heavier than I used to be. And then I went to pick up some food and of course the cashier was just so happy for my pregnancy that oh, was not real. No. <laughs> and she asked the dreaded, oh my gosh, are you pregnant? Oh, you're pregnant. When are you due? Uh. And I remember just immediately going back into my car and falling apart. And that starting a week of panic attack because I didn't feel worthy to be a person because I was heavier. Oh my God, I feel the same thing. You are so worthy. Florida you, friend. It's hard. It's really, really hard. Yeah, it is. Also, never ask someone if they're pregnant. Yeah, what the hell? That's if I could. If I could ever just do one big PSA to the whole entire world is to never ask someone if they're pregnant. Just like let them tell you. Let them tell you. They might be struggling with like trying to get pregnant. They may have just had like a terrible situation. Like just don't. Just don't. Just don't. Worry about that. Just, like, mind... How about we all just agree to mind our own business? Mm-hmm. How's that sound? Yeah. I I also feel that, though. I call it the weight gain of, like, cookies or a baby, where, like, you feel like people are looking at you being like, is that cookies or a baby? <laughs> oh, it's always cookies for me. Um, I actually have a question for y'all. Um, since we're all people who are on medication, um, do you see yourself ever stopping? Nope. Me either. No, I, I, I've, I've tried so hard to just cope with different mechanisms. And I have parents who, I have the, the country parents that, you know, <laughs> don't, they, just, they, they didn't have a lot of mental health um, education. And so it's, some, it's rub some dirt in it, mm-hmm. lock it off that kind of stuff loving they're such loving parents they just don't understand Mm -hmm. um but at this point i know that panic attack week doesn't stop until i take that medicine Mm -hmm. yeah um when i first started medication um and for a good long while probably like two years of that i was like but one day i'm gonna stop because i'm not gonna need this forever because you know but like one day eventually I'll be able to handle it on my own and it'll be fine and it'll just go away. Um, And it's like, you think about that and then you think about, no, you were a baby having panic attacks. You were two years old and you were anxious enough that your mother took you to the hospital. Um, And it's, it's just one of those things where it's like when it comes to like mental health, it's like, you know, nobody, you know, sees somebody who's diabetic and is like, yeah, but you're going to get off insulin eventually, right? <laughs> yeah. Um, but that's kind of like the expectation um, mm-hmm. is that you take 
your medication for a little while. Yeah. But then you learn how to handle it on your own. Till you're not mm-hmm. sad anymore. Yeah. Like, yeah. My depression doesn't always manifest in sadness and stuff. Like yeah, it, it's, it's not it's not levels. being sad. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I I'm terrified of getting off my medication because okay. it was such a struggle. Like getting to the point where I'm okay and okay is a relative term. It's like base neutral. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're not even like striving for like excellence here. You're just trying to get back to like an average playing field. Um, I just, I don't think I could go through like the withdrawals and then getting back on something which I would inevitably have inevitably have to do. Um, I don't even like upping my dosage or getting other like add-ons things like mm-hmm. I'm always hesitant like I always have to like be pressured in not pressured in by like my mom but like she keeps reminding me like hey like this is okay like you're not this is what you need exactly this isn't like a, a mistake or like you're not um worse because of it kind of thing mm-hmm. um but in my mind I'm just, I'm just still like well, what if it makes it worse and like mm-hmm. what if like, I do this and this this because like I, I feel like I know the outcome that I don't want um and I'm just, like, waiting for whenever that's, like, going to happen. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Yeah. Medication sucks. But it's also the best. Even yeah. if I take it late in the day, it's a tragedy because I'm I'm not a functional human being. I'm right. so sad. I'm so anxious. Because I'm going through, like, a withdrawal from the chemicals I'm mm-hmm. used to getting every a day. A little brain shocks. Yeah. Where are those like, chocolate chips at? <laughs> Where are the chocolate chips at? Yeah, your body gets addicted to the chocolate. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, the, those little, like, brain shocks where it feels like um, y- your head is, like, a, a TV that's, like, on the, like, oh, yeah. static. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's... Quite unpleasant, mm-hmm. I would say. That's not my favorite thing. No. Have you guys ever read Hyperbole and a Half? Yes, I have the book. I love the book. I love how she talks about depression. Yes, um, I have read those. Yeah. Yes. It's the, it's the best analogy that I can ever give people when I'm explaining what it is and how it affects. Mm-hmm. Um, if anyone will ever want to go read Hyperbole and a Half, go to the parts where she talks about her like rock-bottom level depression. Um, and how the fish are dead. <laughs> I think that, yeah, go do that. Do you have any, like, imagery when you think of depression? Because, like, for me, I know, I know it's, like, a low point whenever I just want to, like, go into, like, the bottom of a pool or, like, bottom of a body of water and just stare up and look at, like, the light filtering through the water. Ooh. Like, I don't, I'm not drowning or anything, but I just, like, shut everything out and, like, I just have to, like, lay on the bottom and just look up. I actually do think of it as drowning, though, because um, the, the analogy that I always use is like keeping your head above the water. Mm-hmm. So it's like you're, you're in like the ocean and you're treading water and you're just it's, it's getting harder to keep your limbs moving and you're just trying to keep your head up so you can keep breathing. That's yeah. always the analogy that I lean towards. Mine is that hyperbole and a half Fisher dead, which is why it's really hard for me to create art when I'm in my depressed state is... My fish are dead. Like my these, these, these no, these fish are dead. No, like, but what if we went and found them? What if we? What if you go do something? Go outside and, you know, we'll make it better. No, the fish are dead. Yeah. I I don't. I can't feel anything. I don't. Mm-hmm. I don't have anything to give. My fish are dead. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! There's a dog outside. Oh, is it it's a, a poodle? Ooh, it is. <gasps> oh. Oh, listeners at home, I wish that you could see this dog. It is a very good dog. Just Google oh. Google image search standard black poodle. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
It was the cutest. It was it was a very good moment. This for interruption all of us. brought by wonderful dog outside. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, I feel like my imagery is sometimes when I'm depressed and I'm in a crowd of people, I'm like, what if I just walked away? And like just kept walking. Ooh, yeah. And then yeah. just kept walking. I drive And then just kept walking. Just like drive uh, my, uh, my yeah, just, like drive, drive down the highway. Yeah. 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 Just like keep keep driving. Mm-hmm. Just keep filling up your car and keep driving. Yep. yep. Walk into the desert because you're like, something will be there. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, it's nothing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so we're all artists. I feel like we know a lot of other artists that struggle with different mental illnesses. It's not really talked about in the theater community, especially in regards to rehearsal spaces and making a safe and understanding space for people who have mental illnesses. How could we do anything better? What could the theater community be doing? Is it just a matter of people understanding or is it providing allowances for missing rehearsals? Is it something that they could provide at the venue? I once had a director who I was, just for, you know, any number of reasons, um, comfortable enough with that I could tell her, um, and this was back in college, whenever I um, was, like, panicking or extremely anxious, and that was the reason that I couldn't come to rehearsal. Um, And that was, that meant a lot to me that that was something that, um, you know, I didn't have to, you know, make up, mm-hmm. like, oh, I'm throwing up, you mm-hmm. know, it's, you can be up front, and that felt really good. Um, that's just one thing, though, that's, you know, not, like, necessarily a sustainable solution, just like, hey, you're panicking, just stay home, because you can't stay home for the entire present, but... Um, that w- that was one thing that meant a lot to me. I think the understanding is a big part of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I was I've always grown up with the um, the idea of oh if you are not running one hundred degree fever if you're not throwing up you have to go mm-hmm. and that's been to like school to anything to anything I've never missed a day of anything and so. Wow. Um, that's not, not healthy, (laughs) not good for the surroundings, but, um, that's just always been how I've been. And so I think having the, the procedures in place Mm -hmm. to, and being upfront about it from the very beginning, like this is how we handle a panic attack. If you are having a panic attack, please, please feel free to call in. Please feel free to let us know. Mm -hmm. And we know what that means. We understand what that means because I... And as sad as it is to say, I don't know that I have ever felt comfortable calling and saying, hey, I have a, I'm have having a panic attack and I will not be a functional person yeah. for you Because it's like, you don't want me at rehearsal when yeah. I'm in that state. Like, I'm not going to, you know, I'm just, it's not going to be good for yeah. anybody. And I remember recently, Patty Murin, um, who's on Broadway right mm-hmm. now in Frozen, had a big social media blast um, about the days that she calls in as Princess Anna um, because she's having a terrible, terrible panic attack. And she was very transparent about it. Mm -hmm. She was like, this is why I'm not in the show today. Let me tell you exactly why I'm not in the show today. Um, Which was big for me because I've never even considered the idea that me having a panic attack was okay Mm -hmm. to, like, Mm -hmm. talk about. That's a valid... Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Some, I think, communication and 
telling people that it's okay from mm -hmm. the very get-go. I also think that there are certain rehearsal processes that are really strenuous mm -hmm. in a way that is like really negative um, and like bad for a lot of people's mental health. And I think that that just isn't good for anybody. Because mm -hmm. um, it, if it's impacting your mental health, it's also impacting your physical health. Because I know that when I am like extremely anxious or depressed, my body just starts giving out. Mm -hmm. um, you know, my, my immune system just kind of shuts down. And I think that um, something that's been like a really big realization for me is you don't have to be stressed to be working hard. Yes. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think that there's like a certain like expectation that if you're going to be working really hard, um, everybody involved has to be just like on edge all the time and just like freaking out. Um, and it's like, no, you can work really hard, but also you know, give yourself allowance for, um, you know, like self-care, you know, which I, I kind of hate that term almost at this point, but, um, bath bombs, just like, you know, I'm going to do a face mask and drink wine, oh my God. Like, <laughs> but like, it is, it is yeah. really important. And when you like give yourself allowance for that, um, that's really important. Mm -hmm. I also think about the amount of money our theaters have in Dallas and how I don't think of course, like, you know, you get as much money as you can as a theater company. Mm -hmm. um, you only have so much money for the rehearsal space, for your actors. There's not money for an understudy. Um, I think that that can be really problematic, too, sometimes. Because mm -hmm. it's like, listen, we understand, but we, you know, we have this rehearsal space. Like, I'm sorry, this today. is what we need to do. And that's a real struggle. And, I, you know, I, I totally understand that element yeah, of it, too. Absolutely. And so I think that's a place that maybe Dallas Cedars can start to grow, Dallas Cedar companies can start to maybe have that cushion it's set aside totally. for that. Yeah. Right, exactly. It's so hard. <laughs> it's so hard to make money. For me, my big trigger, because I have body dysmorphia, is costume fittings. Mm -hmm. I've had some really despicable mm -hmm. things said about my body in costume fittings, even when I was very, very thin due to anorexia. Um, I mean, just... Your hips aren't right for this costume. You, I had one costume where I had to, it was the same as another girl's and our bodies were just vastly different. And the costumer was like, your body's making this job very difficult for me because I can't make you two look the same. Oh my and it God. Was, yeah, and just, I mean, they've had to like alter costumes just due to my, a lot of times they'll be like, well, we're just gonna put you in like a size 18 dress and then like tailor it down. And I'm like, no, I'm a 10, buy me a size 10. And it just, so I have like the worst anxiety going into costume fitting. Mm -hmm. So I wish that we had more of a culture of just understanding in those because I, I there are very few costume designers who have really ever made me feel good about my body. Mm -hmm. um, Especially period costumes. Oh, gosh. Yeah. They're so small. <laughs> or those, you know, Which, the corsets and the bum rolls and the. I will say, when I did uh, Ghost Tale for <coughs> Mr. Dickens at. Dallas Children's Theater, um, all of the costume designers there, um, Leila and Lyle, they, everything that I tried on was exactly my size. They tailored it down. I mean, and it was just like, oh, well, we'll just dip thin at the waist. We'll just take this out. It's going to be great. Mm -hmm. And I was like, oh my God, thank you. This can be a positive experience. It was so great. Yeah. And I left there being like, I'm going to look great. <laughs> <laughs> and it's just that simple. Yeah. That you don't have to comment on someone's body. Mm -hmm. It's making it fit because, you know, 
Yeah. We make a fit. They're doing men on boats last year. Our costumer Amy Poe was so wonderful. It was another positive experience that just, you know, it's sad that it doesn't happen all the time. <laughs> um, but I, men pants are just different. And, um, yeah. you know, I have, I have some hips, y'all. And I ripped three pairs of men's pants. Oh, no. Just from bending over. Um, one during a show, and I... That's always fun. So fun, but I had to really... But I didn't feel bad. I didn't feel... A lot of costumers that I've um, worked with would have made me feel so guilty mm -hmm. about that, and have when I've ripped costumes before, because they just weren't my size. Yeah. Um, but Amy was so wonderful, and was like, well, no problem, we'll just get you... We'll get you some better pants, you know? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, I've seen men not that men don't have body issues but I've definitely seen men in shows who are just like great bodies but just like thick with two C's in the butt and like have ripped pants on stage and I've just been oh, like yeah. you know what respect yeah. like that's a that's a booty <laughs> <laughs> I really like um Nicole you use the word like transparency and I feel like with at least flexible gray we try to um, keep that as like open as possible since we are this like safe haven for people to create uh, work and art um, and I think one of the things like at least I try to do as a director is like explain to my cast okay like this is what I'm going through like towards the beginning of the process like I take these medications like I have depression kind of thing so like I feel like hopefully that creates a more understanding environment kind of thing because mm -hmm. um, like, there's days where I'll, I'll come into rehearsals and be like I'll be honest with you guys like it's just a hard mental health day for me, and if I'm mm -hmm. not all here, I apologize. Like, I yeah. will be fine, like, tomorrow or something, um, but, like, I will, like, do my best for y'all, and I kind of, I, I at least, like, allow, like, that space for them, too, I mm -hmm. think, um, which I think more people should be more understanding about, is that just, like, everyone needs that kind of day where they, hey, like, we're not all here today, and, you know, that's okay. Yeah. Like, that yeah. doesn't have to be perfect right now. Mm-hmm. Emily Faith, who just directed uh, Midsummer, does like a check-in every day at the start of rehearsal. And it's what do you bring to the rehearsal space and it's what do you want to get from it. And that's really great because you can go in and be like, I'm, today I'm, I'm exhausted so I'm just like bringing a desire to create but I need some energy from everyone else. And it was a really positive experience because of that, because of that transparency. Yeah. yeah. I think that's really nice. There are times when I would have really appreciated that in rehearsals. And this is something that is true, I'm thinking about, um, in, you know, theater spaces, but really in all spaces. Um, please stop using mental illnesses as adjectives. Oh, um, yeah. I, that really... Oh, when yeah. people say that they're OCD. Years, like, yeah, no, like, you're when, not. You're particular. The, 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 the director is like, sorry, can, can you guys stand in a straight line? It's really bugging my OCD. Yeah. You know, um, this character is so bipolar. She has these thoughts and then she also has these thoughts. No, she's no. not. Um, or Unless she is. Yeah. yeah. She's definitely not, based <laughs> on the way that you're yeah. talking about it. Um, I, that, that just really, it makes me feel unsafe in a way. Um, yeah. It makes me feel unseen. Um, because it's like, the, this, these are real things that real people deal with. Mm -hmm. um, and... In the way that people use them, it's um, it's just like so oversimplifying to a point of mm -hmm. making me feel 
like I wouldn't be safe to talk to you if I were going through something. And I feel like that is like one of the most important parts of a relationship between like an actor and a director is like that trust that you have in each other. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's just kind of my little soapbox. Yep. I'm going to stand on that soapbox for a little bit. Um, Actors, you can't play depression. Oh, no. (laughs) Depression is like a layered thing. Mm -hmm. It doesn't just mean like, I'm sad. Like, we're not all Eeyores. Like, it's, it's more than that. Um, so if you go and try to play like, oh my, if you say, oh, my character is just very depressed and just so much depression and stuff like that, like be understanding of what you're trying to say. Cause just because you have depression doesn't mean you're always sad all the time. So. Sidebar, you also can't play gay, but that is a Thank you. another tea talks for another time. <laughs> Back to this topic. Actually, speaking of gay, a couple of us are, um, Flaming homosexuals, uh, <laughs> <laughs> or flaming uh, bisexuals. Yeah, how did um, how did like coming out and dealing with like your sexuality affect your depression? Did anyone have like anything to speak on there? No is also a viable option. I could just cut this out. Man, I was kind of bullied for being uh, bisexual for a while, and so of course that takes kind of a toll. Especially, I was in middle or high school at the time. Uh, but also, there's just, I think especially with uh, pansexuals and bisexuals, or people even who are just questioning, um, not just questioning, people who are questioning, um, there's this confusion and this always kind of self-discovery. You're constantly just figuring out new things about your sexuality. Mm-hmm. So I think that's just, you know, another fun wrench to throw into it. Yeah, um, and I think that... Because I've known that I'm bisexual since I was probably, like, 16, 17. Um, And then when I got to college, you know, I I was in one of those uh, small, like, acting classes. Um, And we were talking at one point, and they were like... And somebody was like, are any of us gay? Um, And (laughs) which was a really... (laughs) It was was just like we were all getting to know each other. It was the very beginning of um, the program. But somebody was like, are any of us gay? Um, And I said no, because I am not gay. Um, But then the conversation kind of ended there. And I stayed. And for some reason, even though I had been, you know, out to my friends in high school, um, I just kind of was like, I'm just going to let that. And I weirdly just Mm kind of like went back into the closet. Um, And I ended up, you know, coming out later um, I think I was a sophomore, maybe junior. And I was like, hey guys, so remember when we asked if we were gay? I'm not gay, but like I am queer. So like, just so we're all clear on that. And they were like, oh, you know, and it it just, I feel like having that openness Mm -hmm. with the people that you trust, just like it it takes a a layer of anxiety and just like Mm -hmm. keeping secrets is, you know, secret secrets are no fun. You know? Yeah. <laughs> secret secrets hurt someone. So it, it's kind of like, you know, being able to talk about those things and those feelings that you're having and, you know, just makes things a lot smoother, mm-hmm. just in general, in life, in the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I feel like coming out and coming out as, like, depressed are similar in my <laughs> mind. A little. It's like having to have that conversation. Yeah. Yeah, I also have depression. Yeah, I'm also okay. Like, you know, like, now that I'm thinking about it, those mm-hmm. the, the times that I had to tell my friends that I was bisexual and the times that I had to tell them that I was 
depressed were actually very similar moments. Yeah. yeah. It's the whole, like, oh, what are they going to think of me, like, kind of thing. Like, is this going to affect It's like, is, is the opinion going to change? Yeah. Are they going to treat me differently? Mm-hmm. There are such trolls in the world <laughs> that, you know, there's, they, they've put a lot of shame into those mm-hmm. areas, and um, some people are still afraid. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. It's because we aren't having conversations like this, where we're openly talking about it. Yeah. Um, which is why this Tea Talks is really important to me, at least. Like, I feel like these conversations shouldn't have those stigmas and shouldn't have those fears Absolutely. and, like, shame behind them. Because, I mean, at the end of the day, like, that's just one of the things that makes us who we are. And mm-hmm. that's something that we should not, I'm not, not, like, proud. I, you get proud of, yeah. I don't know. That sounds weird. Like, I'm proud of my depression, but, like, it, it's just a fact. Like, it's not Sorry. something that... I, I, I'm proud to be yeah. a person who lives with it. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You know? It's a badge of survival. Sometimes. Exactly. Yeah. Um, oh, I had a point that I was going to make, and then I forgot it. Are we doing The Way the Cookie Crumbles? Well, we have donuts. Um, so... The Way the Donut... Go nuts for donuts. That's for so donuts. sweet! I love that. Well, now, listeners, you've entered the Go Nuts for Donuts section of our (laughs) podcast. This is so sweet. Which you can listen to on our Patreon. Um, Go find us, Tea Talks, on Patreon and share it with your friends. For as little as a dollar a month, you can have access to a ton of little awesome perks. Um, Or you can be, uh, like, a more generous subscriber and have even more perks. And it's going to just be great. So, yeah. Let's let's go nuts for donuts. <laughs> and now we're back! Yay! Okay. Um, um, I have a question. Um, how do you guys feel about the media trying to normalize depression and suicidal thoughts and anxiety to a point where it becomes humorous in a gross way? <laughs> I know for me personally, like, I have a problem when people try to represent, like, depression in films or TV shows. Or depression commercials. Yeah, without doing it, like, (laughs) properly. Like, for me, the biggest thing that pops in my mind is The Magicians on sci-fi. I don't know if anyone watches that. I'm sorry if you do. Um, But it, the premise is awesome, but the main character like has depression but just like plays depression Mm. and i'm like i hate you because you're making it seem like we're all this like just mopey like it's not a phase mom people when in reality like it's it's so much more than that you can't Mm -hmm. just write like depression it is like such a Mm multi-dimensional like experience yeah um yeah yeah i appreciate it but i appreciate it with like you know, like, there's an asterisk, you know, because it's like, I think with all things, you know, similar with like, you know, like the queer experience, I feel like a lot of it is just kind of being commodified. Yep, I was just about to say that. Um, and being glamorized, like particularly with like 13 Reasons Why. Yep. Like that, that's a bad show. That's oh a very bad, gosh. harmful, bad show. I won't watch it. Um, I and I refuse to, but just like what I know of it, it's like it's doing really bad things to kids. And I judge, it's like, sorry, you know, just like suicide as revenge. Oh. Um, and it's like, oh, so here's what's gonna happen: you're gonna be really depressed, and then you're gonna kill yourself, and all of your friends are gonna realize how beautiful and, you know, broken you were. 
and you will get to punish them and blame them for why you died. And the kids are like, oh yeah. And it's like, no, don't, don't, please don't please spread don't. that message. That's not, yeah. that's not right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I judge a playwriting competition with a bunch of other people that judge it as well at Circle Theater. And they, um, I remember two years ago, maybe around the same time that that show was even surfacing, um, at least 90% of the plays that I read were about them killing themselves. Oh, yeah. my goodness. And that was a huge wake-up to me that just, you know, they're they're taking in so much information, these these little, these little babes, um, yeah. and writing about it. And, you know, you write what you know. Yeah. I just heard on NPR that Texas has, like, one of the highest, I think, in, like, a lack of people getting help. The I, I imagine it's probably yeah. a lot worse in the South in general. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's that um, mentality of, like, like throw boot, some dirt on the, it. The bootstraps. Yeah. yeah. Pull yourself up. Which, which is so funny because um, you literally can't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. That's why the yeah. phrase was invented is because it's not possible. Because um, think about it. You grab onto your boot. Nothing's <laughs> going to happen. But Kelsey, if the Lord can lead to two, he can lead to three. I should have just gone to church like the doctor said. Fifty cc's um, of Jesus. <laughs> um, but yeah, we're um, not knocking church. No, no. I love Jesus. And, and I know, and I know hard. that like faith-based counseling is like so big for a lot of people, mm. and like you know, praying is like such a relief and a release to people. But not me personally. But if it doesn't. It's not always the answer. And it's not always the answer. It should not be prescribed by a medical doctor. And it it also shouldn't be your only thing, I don't think. Yeah. I mean, if it's working for you, I guess. But I feel like they're... Probably want to take a multi-pronged attack at your... Yeah, I don't think you can pray the gay away, and I don't think you can pray depression away. No. But you can pray that the medication works. (laughs) So... Yeah. uh, Yeah. But that's just my tea. I find trouble in some, there are like little comics on Facebook and like memes and stuff that bother me that um, show depression in a more lightened state than I think it actually is and uh, that's always frustrating. But then there are those that like hyperbole and a half and some other very like tender-hearted people um, make comics that make it a little bit more relatable or make it more understandable mm-hmm. and um, lead you in the right direction. I feel like that's just meme culture, though. It's yeah. taking I, yeah, depression and, and anxiety and just totally hyperbolizing it and also just making it a uh, platform for comedy. And I mean, that's, that's the kind of thing is it's like... I kind of hate when people talk about the relationship between social media and mental illness because I think that a lot of people talk about it in the wrong way. Mm-hmm. But um, I do think that it plays a pretty big part in why so many people today um, are struggling, because it's like, I, I, I saw a tweet once that was like, it was like, my timeline, um, you know, North Korea, four pictures of dogs, Donald Trump said something stupid, there's, you know, and then like five different awful things that are happening in our country, a meme about depression and a joke. And then I look at this, and, and, and the tweet was like, you see this and you think, yeah, this is good for me. 
You know, it's, it's like it's like you, you you just are so exposed to so many things, mm-hmm. and oh god, that that that's, that's a big thing with like body stuff, um, like mm-hmm. Instagram, and like everybody uses Facetune apparently. What is a Facetune? Okay, so Facetune is an app where you can like basically Photoshop yourself. What? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I should not download. No, that. You, you absolutely should not. So apparently, and see, I didn't even know this, but a lot of people just like average. You know, we'll just like facetune their pictures before they put them on Instagram. Um, and it's like we yeah. already knew that this was bad for us when it was just magazines. Why are we doing it to ourselves? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's like I, they've done studies that Instagram is definitely like the social media platform that's like the worst for people's mental health. And it's like that's why, you know, people like put up this like perfect image of their life and you can't help but compare yourself to that Mm -hmm. and now that they also have tools to make themselves look skinnier and prettier Mm -hmm. it's like what are you gonna do yeah that was a part of my photoshop element of my graphic design course uh, where we had to you had to learn how to we photoshopped ourselves oh my god oh my god that's unhealthy that's awful it is um and why would they do that uh, i would have punched that professor in the throat (laughs) um it's it's kind of I try not to say it's that's crazy because I know that that is a that's not a word that we should use in that context. Um, mm-hmm. It's it's wild. I think that that is wild. Um, and the, just the amount of tools that there are in Photoshop that you just don't even ah, it's yeah, it's gross. <laughs> Man, how did that go for you? If you don't mind me asking, if you don't want to talk about it, totally um, fine. Oh, I don't mind. Um, I did not keep the photo. It's, it was detrimental to a point, just because I would see, oh, well, my thighs are gross. I need to tune those. Oh, ew, my, um, my like side boob over here just doesn't look flattering. I'm just gonna like shave that yeah. in. Oh, my waist, of course, needs to like be a little bit higher in here. And then and, you got a grade for it. And then you got a grade for it, yeah. And um, it's like, oh, you you failed because you didn't make yourself look hot enough. Yeah, and there's, um... That's so sticky. Yeah, I don't like that at all. But on the other end of it, I did see the photo at the end and think, you know, that's a totally different person. That's not even me anymore. Um, Mm -hmm. And so it ended up not being so negative an experience, negative of an experience, because I realized how transformative it is in not a good way. That's good that you were able to realize that. Yeah, I think that's a really healthy conclusion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That professor needs a stern email. Yeah. <laughs> Just send him this detox. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Him or her. Oh, yeah. Or them. Uh, or them. Yeah. Gosh, that was... And it was a, it was a she, and so that is... Mm. I, I know that guys also have, um, you know, body dysmorphia, and so... But it, it was, it's always interesting to me when a woman is like, yes... Make yourself. Here's here, edit now. Yourself. Now you're gonna learn how to make yourself look socially acceptable. Yeah. I will say in gay culture, it's like mm-hmm. your like skinny or you're like skinny fat or you're like fit and you're this or that and you fall into all these like little boxes and everything and you have mm-hmm. to be like this in order to like be on like these apps and um, it's. It's horrible. It's, it's like, it makes you think, like, okay, you're not, like, good enough for, like, XYZ or something like that. 
Um, yeah, it's it's not it's not great. Mm-mm. No. That was some some really big tea spillage, though. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like we're kind of wrapping I up. Think we are. Are there any final thoughts that you guys have? Um, I hope that you, if you are having, if you're having thoughts that you're trying to qualify as just being sad all the time or just being tired all the time, that you maybe look into um, seeing a mental health professional. I know it's expensive, but it's there. There are people who you know. There, there's like sliding scale. Yeah. Um, there's like apps now. I think. Mm-hmm. Like the talk space. Talk I think. space. Yeah. Um, there's there's a lot of ways to get the help that you need. We'll include a list in the Theater Jones article. Yeah. Yes. Um, my biggest advice would just be to to again talk about it. Like make sure that we aren't um, shying being shy around depression uh, because if we chip away at like that stigma, we can get more people the help they need. And they won't feel as ashamed of like seeking that help. Also, if you are going through a hard time and you need to vent to a friend, please ask them if they are mentally capable of handling mm-hmm. that. Because mm-hmm. sometimes people aren't ready to carry that stuff yes. for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be cautious that's, of that's who you big. give that to. Yeah. yeah. And it doesn't mean they don't care about you. Yeah. It's just like sometimes they've, they've got their own stuff and it's mm-hmm. like, yeah. I, that's a big thing for me is I really want to be present for you so then I stop handling my own stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. It just gets in, messy. It does. That's big in relationships. For um, Clint and I, I have tried to make it more of a practice to ask before I like vent my my vents mm-hmm. um, if he is in a place where he can take that because I've you know we've we've learned through that as well. Yeah. Um, so mm-hmm. yeah, always ask. That's a good note. Um, I think the big thing is just like it is an illness and it. Um, I think that that's like the most important part of the phrase mental illness is like we need to start focusing on it in that way because I think that you know there's some people who don't treat it very seriously um, and it's like it's an illness you can manage it without medication but a lot of people do need medication Um, but then there's also people who glamorize it and it's like I'm sick you know like you wouldn't be glamorizing you know if I you know had I always lupus or or, yeah or diabetes or something like that it's like um emphysema it's not pretty um it's not fun it's not like I'm okay you know but um it's not something to be like I don't know really because I think that there are a lot of especially you know young artists who are like I need to be depressed Mm -hmm. just young people who are like that's gonna make me more more interested you know It builds really character. Yeah. No. no. Oh, no, it doesn't. Nope. <laughs> My advice to people would just be, listen, as cheesy as it sounds, just love and support each other. Yeah. Because if you can build a community of people who understand you and empathize, then you are going to heal so much faster and mm-hmm. just you're going to become more whole of a person. Mm-hmm. I believe. Happy Mental Health Awareness Month, everybody. We see you. We feel you. We love you. And remember, that's that's the tea. tea. Aww.